I gotta remember to record this. <laughs> there we go. So again, we're talking we're talking uh, full moon today in Libra, Libra one. And um, first, we're gonna start out by reviewing uh, the the new moon in Pisces three. So we have uh, a twenty three degrees Pisces new moon that we experienced on uh, March the thirteenth. And that one was one that was having a Venus-Neptune conjunction. And we had the fixed star Markab was kind of a prevalent player there. And, um, you know, we were trying to figure out what kind of things we were going to um, potentially make a sacrifice for. We were figuring out what uh, was the animating spirit that was leading us to our new sense of purpose. And now that we have moved into um, Aries season, we are trying to individuate, okay? I'm seeing some nice people dropping in here. Um, Dim Dimfi from Holland is here, hello. Uh, Lunatic Astrology, hello, Lori, how are you? Uh, <laughs> Tarya says she's been a sleeping beauty doing nothing. That's That's a great way to to do um, a Pisces new moon. I think there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of the times we're, you know, trying to rejuvenate and restore through through the um, Pisces season where we're letting go of all the, the buildup that we may have been experiencing through the winter season. And uh, as we move forward here, we are kind of experiencing, um, you know, an ability to potentially begin to take action on the new thing that wants to be born. Okay, so we, we, we know that we started this cycle under a, an ending point, and we are, you know, probably got clear on what we wanted to begin, where we wanted to put our energy, how we, maybe we have started to get some clarity as to who we are as individual points of consciousness versus who we are within the collective and who we are uh, in, in relationship to that cosmic womb where we are all one. So we've got that Pisces new moon was showing us the oneness, right? And now we are being split and severed into the many. So this is something that I've seen uh, my astrology teacher, Achutababa, talk about recently. Uh, he's doing a really great series on the beliefs of ancient astrologers, and he has a really good video out there called The, the One and the Many. So that's one to check out uh, on his channel, Nightlight Astrology. But that's a really important theme, I think, about uh, this kind of back and forth sort of traveling that we do between coming into unity with a collective and then individuating as, a, as an individual point of consciousness within it. So I think that with Aries 1, the sun in Aries 1, we are looking at a Deccan that has... Uh, some significations related to martial implements. This is an, air, an Aries area of the zodiac is Mars ruled. So we are thinking of cutting, separating, severing, but in service of creating something new, of being able to create an individual point of consciousness. Um, this, this is different than what we might experience when we see Mars uh, in the sign of Scorpio, or Mars ruling the sign of Scorpio. That energy of Mars is the nocturnal Mars where we are severing and separating from a body 
to return to the oneness eventually. Okay. Hey, Susanna, we've got our, our Finland crew is stopping by here. Um, so I think that that's one thing to start out by thinking that the, the type of separation that we are trying to enact in Aries is one where we can eventually infuse that individual consciousness into a body to create something new. So it is so we're leaving the cosmic oneness behind to be able to manifest something on this physical realm. Whereas in Scorpio, we are, we've already had this body, we've done the things that we need to do over the summer season, we've grown something, we've harvested something, and now we're returning that body to the earth. And thinking of it in that way has really opened up some new, new insights for me as far as how I think of Mars, how I think of Aries versus Scorpio and the difference between those two signs and, and the way that Mars may function um, in a more yang way versus a more yin type of way this is yang mars all the way this is where it is aggressively trying to say this is who i am this is what i am not okay so there is this rejection of everything that you are not to be able to create that kind of 100 yes of what you are now this is uh you know we just experienced a kazemi with Venus and the sun too. So if we were to take a look at our chart of the moment here, I want to kind of start breaking this down for you. All right. So here is the chart that we're looking at. Our full moon is going to take place around March 28th, 2.48 in the p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Make an adjustment for your particular time zone. And we can see that, you know, Venus is hanging out really close with the sun. We, we just had the Kazemi moment. And if, if you're not familiar with that term, what that means is that Venus has just become renewed in the heart of the sun. So over the course of the last week, I've been making a lot of videos that speak to the synodic cycle of the superior planets, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, excuse me, and the inferior planets, Venus and Mercury. So what we have here is an inferior planet, one that is uh, from the perspective of the Earth and the kind of descending Chaldean order, it is, it is inside the orbit of the sun. That's why we call it inferior, not that it is any less than. It's just a, a term that relates to the relationship of Venus and the sun. And what we see here is a Venus that is direct in motion. Uh, that is making what is called the, the superior conjunction. There's two different uh, Kazemi moments when we have a, a, a either Venus or Mercury making a conjunction with the sun. And they have a little bit of a different um, vibe. I think that when Venus is making the, the superior conjunction, it is moving fast. It is moving very fast. Whereas when it's making the retrograde conjunction, it's moving very slow. So here we have a Venus that is getting a renewal, but it, I almost would consider this the middle of the cycle. So this may be some kind of progress report that we may be experiencing at this full moon um, with the Venus cycle that began uh, it roughly, let's see, I wonder if I have in my notes when this Venus cycle began exactly. I'll have to go back to my Venus area here. But let's see. 
Venus began its superior conjunction. Oh, man. Oh, okay. The inferior conjunction was on the 3rd of June, 2020, at 13 degrees of Gemini. Isn't that interesting? Because that's actually where Mars is hanging out right now. So if any of you out there in, in chat box land can think back to June of 2020 and... Uh, you know, kind of let me know what, what kind of things were you starting at that point? Because that's when this Venus cycle sort of had its seminal moment. Yeah, Kendall, it was June 3rd. Yep. Thank you. Uh, and I've got a 20 second delay on the chat box here. So I might be getting things a little bit later here, but yeah, 2020. And we were kind of seeing the Venus was at kind of her weakest point as she was going under the beams of the sun in retrograde motion. Um, I've been talking about these terms in relationship to these synodic cycles, one of which is called the heliacal setting. And that's when Venus goes underneath the beams of the sun in retrograde motion. We have the heliacal rising where Venus is emerging from the beams in retrograde motion. And then these uh, direct motion terms are called the morning and the evening set. Okay, so we have uh, or the morning morning and the evening rise, we could also consider it too. So we had the morning setting of Venus when it was direct, um, probably a few weeks ago, as it was kind of coming into conjunction with the sun. And eventually, this is really interesting, on May the 22nd, we're going to see Venus making its evening rise, okay? That's different than the heliacal rise, okay? The heliacal rise in relationship to to uh, Venus and Mercury is when it's retrograde in motion. The But the evening rise is when Venus is direct. So this will be a moment where all of the things that we're working on now at this full moon phase and at this Venus Kazemi moment will start to be uh, manifested in the light of day. Okay, so this is something where you know, if you're planting something right now, if you're planting seeds and trying to figure out who you are as an individual, you can expect some kind of um, visible progress probably around the end of May. Uh, now, this is interesting to me personally because uh, it's going to be happening at about 16 or 17 degrees of Gemini, which is exactly on my personal Venus in my 11th house. So a lot of you have been asking me about classes and doing things uh, as far as like some more group stuff. And I think that that's probably, you know, looking at the astrology, probably when that's going to be happening, probably towards the middle of en and end of May, because there is an exact conjunction with a planet that represents group stuff uh, in my own personal chart. But I want you to look at the Gemini area of your chart and see what could be... Um, coming to fruition around late May that may have had some starts in June of last year, that may have had some, some infusing of energy at, on this, this last few days. Okay, Those are also things to think about at this full moon. Um, I'm taking a look at the chat box here. Lori says, uh, this Mars is super hot, breaking free of Kala Sarpa Yoga and on the last Kazemi. Okay. Um, you have to explain Kala Sarpa Yoga a little bit more to me. I'm not as familiar with some of the Vedic terminology, um, but I did hear that we were seeing um, 
I, I this was something else that my uh, my friend Achuta was talking about, where he was talking about Mars escaping the the two nodes where we've had everything kind of held in check for a while. And now we may be able to start taking action on things in a certain way because Mars has come outside of this kind of nodal. You can see all these planets are within this this hem this one hemisphere of the two nodes here. So I don't know if that's exactly what you're talking about, but maybe there's you can explain a little bit more in there. Um, Dimphy says harvesting kilos of strawberries, giving away and making lots of pots of jam. <laughs> nice, very cool. You know, you have to send me one of those those uh, jars of jam. <laughs> Eventually, I love love that. Um, very cool. Uh, and Lori says, is is she? that late to visibility. Yeah, v Venus, is. it does take a while for Venus to come outside of the beams of the sun. So a lot of the things that we might be doing with Venusian type of uh, significations are going to be behind the scenes right now and are probably going to become a lot more visible at the end of May. Um, Lori says, Spencer, it's a call to clubhouse, <laughs> Venus in the 11th house. Yeah, Lori has been trying to get me to do more stuff on Clubhouse. Uh, she has given me a lot of um, the hard sell on on the virtues of Clubhouse, which I which I do appreciate. She has a lot of enthusiasm about that particular form of social media, and I can definitely see the advantages of doing that. I think it's at this point it's just a very simple uh, for me. As I'm just I don't know, I've just been doing a lot of things, kind of, and trying to carve out my own my own path in some regard. But Lori, I will, I will say this, um, some of the significations around the full moon in Libra one here do speak to making adjustments when you are trying to carve out your own specific territory to the needs of your community and of your um, society at large. And I was thinking about that as I was making the notes today and we were talking a little bit um, yeah, no, I appreciate it. Keep keep bugging me, Lori. I, I I really do appreciate your enthusiasm. She's saying that she's she's been nagging me about it, but, but I think that her enthusiasm is is well founded, and her heart is definitely in the right place. So I always appreciate when people are sharing something that is really um, that they've found a lot of benefit in, and are using that platform to help other people. I think that that's when we're at our best. So. Lori, I do actually really appreciate you you continuing to bug me about it. So thank you for that. Um, says Lori says yes, that's it. Venus started the KS Yoga pileup on December thirtieth. Okay, so one of the things I was going to say about um, this full moon though in Libra is we will have to make some adjustments as we go on our path uh, at you know, trying to establish new territory. Now, I wanted to show you the tarot card that's associated with uh, with Aries and Libra in general. So I'm going to show you this here. So this is the two of wands. This card is called dominion. And that's a really interesting term that I went and looked up to get some history on. And a dominion uh, or a, a dominion kind of status that is bestowed upon a country is basically when we have a mother country like Great Britain. Okay, this was a term that was used in the early 20th century to describe a almost like a commonwealth or like an extension of a country. So places that were, were granted dominion status were like Canada, uh, Australia, South Africa, where they were 
they had um, the ability to have self-governance, but they were still loyal to the mother country. So you can see here, this is a figure that in, in some of my tarot research, they've associated with Alexander the Great, where he was basically trying to figure out which, which area to conquer next. Okay, so this, this may be, have some significations with the, where the sun in Aries is right now. We may be trying to decide what, what area do we want to assert our dominance in, right? And, um, you know, but we do have to, as we are trying to establish our individual point of consciousness that is different than the mother country or the mother plant, we go through these, these things where we have to sever, like almost like severing the umbilical cord. When I was reading about this Deccan in Austin Coppock's book, 36 Faces, he talks about severing the umbilical cord from the mother, um, leaving the womb, um, searching for our own territory. He says, I like this quote, he says, it is the individual yang struggling out of the collective yin. So how are we going to, to yang our way out of, of this whole soup that we were in at that Pisces new moon? Now, when we are trying to establish ourselves in new territories, though, we are like a traveler. And this really brings us to our hexagram that I like to talk about, 56. And we'll talk about this more in depth as we go along. But 56 is called the traveler or the wanderer. And you know, there is a story I wanted to tell you about 56. And I, I guess I'll just write it on the screen here. I'll share my screen again, and we'll draw it, and we'll talk about it. And then I'll get to some of the other parts of the, uh, the transits that we're experiencing. But let's just keep this in mind when we're talking about all of the things here. I'm going to draw 56. 56, we have fire on top of the mountain. So we always have these trigrams that are stacked on top of one another that give us this kind of essential nature of how nature is functioning. So 56, the wanderer, the traveler, this is where we're leaving home in search of some kind of you know, new establishment of territory. We've, we've established the abundance in 55, where we, we know who we are. We kind of have a, a general idea of what our animating principle is, sort of like we experienced through Pisces season. And now we're going to be leaving home and trying to, to visit new areas, maybe like, <laughs> maybe like Clubhouse for Lori, you know, and like getting me to visit a new area of life and things like that. And uh, trying to establish a presence in these new areas of life. Now, here, here is the, the catch, though. Because Hillary Barrett, in, in her really great translation, um, I, I Ching, watching, Walking Your Path, says, what do we bring, uh, what do you bring with you to each new situation? What does this place ask of you? So this full moon, to me, speaks to that situation very clearly. It says, how can you bring your integrity? How can you bring your individuality? How can be, you be true to yourself? when you are traveling within these new situations while also respecting the lay of the land, okay? While, while also respecting the social customs that are necessary. Yeah, house hunting says, uh, there is a comment here where divine timing says, I'm house hunting right now. So this part sounds on point. Yeah, you, you are literally trying to establish new territory and that's perfect. It's a perfect representation. So for divine timing, for example, when they are looking for their house, how do you respect the customs of, 
uh, the seller, right? How do you respect the customs of the real estate agent, of the banks that you have to work within to like get the loan, to get the mortgage? What kind of negotiations do you have to make with the, uh, the seller or the bank or the real estate agent themselves to, to bring this new situation into birth? It's, these are sort of like birthing pains. And I think that when we are trying to establish new territory, it's very important that we understand this new place that we're in. There's a story that they were telling uh, in regards to this, this hexagram. And I'll read it to you because it was, it was very interesting. It says, King Hai was the king of a nomadic um, group, a nomadic culture. And they stopped to pasture their animals in a land called e, or Qi. Okay, or, or I guess it's uh, E, Y, I. And that translates roughly to change, okay? And when they were in this new land, they were, they were welcomed by the local people and they were uh, provided for, but they, everything was going smoothly until King High did this elaborate dance. Uh, he, wasn't, he was kind of like saying, okay, I'm just gonna do my thing in this new place without understanding the customs of this new place. And he did this dance for their ruler and in, you know, inadvertently seduced the king of that land's wife. She was very taken by King High. And this other ruler of this of this land they were visiting was very upset by this and had King High, the visiting king, executed. And King High lost his herds, the people fled. It basically came to disaster because he did not respect the customs of that land that he was visiting. So this is a, a warning where when we are trying to establish ourselves, we do have to realize that we are still part of a society, that we are still part of a community. And even though we are, you know, kind of doing this kind of uh, here I am and this is me, take it or leave it, you know, kind of thing. We also are still part of this this group and this society, and we and there is a balance that has to take place with that. Okay, um, I'm looking at the chat box here. Lisa says the process of reproduction is a violent one. We are always going through a cycle of nourishment, rest, grow, and growth, followed by violent cutting away and separation. Yeah, perfect. It, that that is very true. Um, again, when we study the I Ching and we study things like Taoism. And other, uh, you know, traditions, we see that that we are living cyclical life, and we go through birth and death, and and um, just because we are ascending in one period of time does not mean that we won't come down off the mountaintop eventually. Uh, and we can see with this hexagram, this is fire or clarity, on top of the mountain, which is stability. Now, that, that was an interesting um, type of way of thinking about this. And in the translations, they were speaking about um, how a forest fire jumps from one area of the mountain to the next. It isn't really stable. It's just kind of jumping from one thing to the next. And that's how they got some of these traveling significations because fire catches. And, and this could be our enthusiasm is catching. But at any moment, that fire could burn out. And we have to kind of respect the, uh, the fuel that we are trying to burn up and, and, and see if we can establish something uh, that can feed that fire 
okay, that enthusiasm over the long term rather than just on a temporary whim, right? Okay, so that's the hexagram that we were looking at. And, and the final note I said on that was balancing staying true to yourself while adjusting to your surroundings. And Lori is pointing out, if you're listening, don't forget to hit the like button to help my algorithm on the channel. That is very true. I always appreciate those of you who are helping to establish the algorithm by com commenting, hitting the like button and all of those things. Uh, Lori is very good at, at uh, understanding how to help with, um, I don't know, brand awareness and, and like, you know, increasing the way that you uh, can get your, your vision out into the world. Uh, and I've been, she's been giving me some nice advice on that. So I wanted to thank her for that. All right. So let's, let's get back into some of these nitty gritties here. So I'll erase this. Any questions on that hexagram while I'm still on that kick here? We're getting some nice comments in the chat. I appreciate all of you being here. This is, I always like doing these. These are fun. Um, so one of the things before we move on is I did want to, um, point out that in this particular full moon, we do have a fixed star that is prominent. So in, in addition to Venus hosting the moon, okay, we also see the moon hanging out on this fixed star called Diadem. And Diadem is in the constellation Coma Bernices. And Coma Bernices is this kind of... Uh, there's this experience where Bernices was the wife of a, a kind of an Egyptian or an early Greek pharaoh or emperor, where uh, Ptolemy III, if you want to be specific, where he went off to war. And she was very concerned about his return from war. And she sacrificed her hair, which was kind of a status symbol, to Aphrodite for the safe return of her husband from war. So a lot of the significations with this this fixed star have to do with sacrifice, uh, having to do with devotion to a cause or to a group, maybe some kind of humanitarian act as we are trying to establish our individuality. So there may become a situation where you really do have to make an adjustment to the self-directed vision that you've been putting a lot of energy lately into. And, and I think that that's something that, that could come up in our experience as we move into the weekend and in the week ahead as well. Uh, Kendall says, do you have a favorite book you recommend for someone who wants to start studying the I Ching? That is a great question, Kendall. Um, what I have is the, fir the first book that I ever started studying the I Ching was the Illustrated I Ching by Rich, uh, by I believe, oh, what is the name of that author? R.L. Wing was the author of that book. And that, that was the first book that I got. And then what I got was a, uh, an app on my phone called the I Ching app. Um, and they allow you to purchase a number of different translations. So I have about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, about eight translations where I can do a reading on my phone and I can uh, do, I can look at eight different viewpoints on that translation. So a couple that I really like, and I, I was recommended these two books by, by Achutabhava. Uh, I Ching, Walk, Walking Your Path by Hilary Barrett is one that is very thorough and where she asks a lot of focused questions. The Complete I Ching with um, Alfred Huang, H-U-A-N-G, 
is a good one. Um, I really like R.L. Wing's work. His, his work is very clear. Um, I have the I Ching workbook of his on here. One that I rely on a lot is I Ching by Brian Arnold um, and a guide to the I Ching by Carol, or Carol K. Anthony. So that's a pretty good list that, that will you be able to start with. Um, Divine Timing says the classic Richard Wilhelm version. Yes, that is another great one. That was one of the original translations of the I Ching into, into English from the original Chinese. So that is a, a great way to go as well. Okay, hopefully that is helpful. It is a great app and it, and it keeps all these questions organized. I do an I Ching reading every morning to kind of like just see what the energy of the day is going to be like. And that helps me practice with this. I've started really examining each of the individual trigrams as well and um, writing those down in my journal. It's really important to keep a journal when you're, when you are doing stuff like this. I would say that a lot of people ask me um, how I remember all of these details because I, I have a pretty good sticky memory for details. And I will say that my method is this. I keep a journal every single day and in the margins of my journal, I write the aspects for the day. I write all of the different divinatory systems that I pull. And I, I pull a number of things, maybe too many, but I do it because I want to practice using those oracles. I pull two tarot cards a day. I, I pull an I Ching. I, I may do an animal of the day and like an ascended master. I just want to know all of these systems and see how I can integrate them all into an awareness of what I'm experiencing that particular day. And um, for example, today I pulled, uh, what did I pull in my journal? Oh man, you can see the impression that left on me. <laughs> I pulled the hanged man reversed for my tarot card and the six of, uh, the six of pentacles reversed. So maybe having to, um, you know, reverse my perspective on something, uh, to have a, a different idea of how I give resources out into the world or how I receive, which is some significations of the six of pentacles. Um, how many yards is my margin? That's hilarious. It's, it's crazy. I, it's a little, it's a little, it's, yeah, it's a little excessive, but I'm intense. I'm an intense person. And that is just a way that I, I kind of, have an outlet for this energy. Um, so, but it is really useful though, because I'll, I'll tell you this during my uh, videos this past week, I was looking at heliacal rising and setting of, you know, Saturn and Jupiter and Mars. And I actually found some really, really important moments that were related to those specific planets in my journal that I might not have connected had I not kept a really detailed, you know, kind of narrative of my life and some of the other things, um, the, the symbols were really matching up. Um, the animal I pulled today for personally was the ladybug. So some kind of good fortune coming my way or some kind of like lucky, you know, wish coming true or something. So I'll keep an eye out for that. I actually pulled an animal for this video today and I got the deer which talks about using gentleness and, you know, using your intuition as your guide, as you um, move through this new territory. And that really, is, I think that really fits well with this Libra uh, full moon as well, because a lot of the times when we have all these Aries placements, 
we can kind of force our way and force our will uh, into, you know, kind of trying to dominate. And I think that having a little bit of balance and gentleness and, and really respecting trying to meet someone where they're at can really, can really help. <laughs> Lori says she's my ladybug. Lori, you're my Mars today. <laughs> you're, my, you're my Venus, you know, sun, Aries, Kazemi moment. <laughs> Lori is an Aries sun and she is, is the, uh, the match that lights the fires of enthusiasm. So yes, you may be my ladybug too, but you're definitely the, um, the enthusiasm, the, you're the cattle prod. That's what I think that you are. Like you're like Spencer, get moving, get moving. You know, go for it, do this. <laughs> like which is, which is actually uh, that energy is definitely needed. Um, so I'm, like I said, I appreciate that energy because it's different than my energy. My energy is one like, okay, think about every possible. Uh, <laughs> like I'm laughing because she says triple Aries, Sun, Mercury, Moon. I'm laughing because uh, my modus operandi is examine everything from every single viewpoint before taking any action. <laughs> like sometimes it just takes me forever to do something. So um, I'm actually surrounded by a few Aries people in my life right now. And I appreciate all of them because really what they're doing is saying, stop thinking about it, just do something, you know, and, and that's some energy that I, that I need in my life and, and that we all need in our life every once in a while is the ability to take a risk and the ability to not have to, to think something to death before taking an action. I think that's something that we, we do need in our life. We also need our Libra type people in our life too, that, that can give us a, a, a subjective um, viewpoint of both sides of an issue so that we can see the advantages of dis and disadvantages. One of the things about uh, Libra um, that I wanted to point out about this moon placement in Libra is the daimon associated with this Deccan, uh, Libra 1, are the Uranies, okay, the Uranies. And this card that we see associated with this I wanted to, I'll stop my share for a second so you can see it. This is the, so we're trying to balance out these two energies right here. We've got the sun in the uh, two of wands, Deccan, and we have the moon in the two of swords. So here we're trying to establish new territory, but here we have a guardian of that ter territory that we're meeting. Okay. So this person is very aggressively pursuing, you know, some kind of, uh, I don't know, new dominion. And here we meet the we we meet the leader of that right. Remember that story of King High. Maybe this is King High right here, and this is the the Lord of that other world. Where if you don't respect this uh, this person's um, method or social customs, those swords are going to cut you. Okay, and this is a card that is related to Mott who was the, the judge of the underworld that was measuring the weight of the feather against your heart when you, when you died. And she was like a guardian of the, the transitory place between life and death. So we are trying to make a birth right now. But again, try to respect the customs of the land that you are moving into. Okay. And the Uranies were, the, were these uh, basically... The daughter, they were the daughters of Uranus and Kronos. So Kronos severed Uranus's genitals, like in, in the story goes. And from the, they fell to the earth 
this and Uranus was was Kronos's father. So this is another succession story. And some of the the so the generals fell into the um, ocean, and from that we had the birth of Aphrodite. And some of the blood fell to the earth, and from that blood arose the Uranies, who are these goddesses of vengeance. They were like the three goddesses of vengeance. They were these horrific-looking figures, um, serpent, you know, tails and wings and claws and all of these things. And they were goddesses of vengeance and retribution, and they were always seeking justice. And, and they were um, deities that people in these ancient times would call upon if they felt like they were wronged. And they were saying, hey, this is an injustice. This is unfair. I want, I want uh, right proportion to be restored. They also sort of have this kind of, um, I would say they are somewhat similar to Nemesis, right? That is restoring right proportion. So they were also servants of Hades and Persephone. And the, the daimon associated with Ares one is Adonius, which is a, a basically another word for Hades. So we have this, this, relationship between the lord of the underworld and his servants and we also have that two of wands where we may be we, we may be on the brink of like that that intermediary space okay where it's dangerous actually when we're a traveler think about when you travel to a different country and you're seeking to establish something there um you the the reason that we find ourselves in danger is because we don't have the familiarity that could give us support. We don't have our neighbors around us. We don't have, uh, we don't know the lay of the land necessarily. We don't necessarily understand the language, the customs. Um, and when you do that, you are in a vulnerable place. Um, and you have to be on your guard and be vigilant so that you don't make a mistake that could get you into a situation where you, you really are in trouble. How many of those of you in the chat box here have traveled to a foreign country and you really had to rely on a guide to get you through where you were going because they knew the lay of the land. They knew places that were safer or more dangerous. They knew some of the customs that you had to, to, um, to give to the locals to be able to not offend them or things like that. Like in certain countries, like trying to shake someone's hand will, will get you a punch in the face or something like that, right? Or, or not greeting somebody a proper way or, or, or something of that nature. So we have to think about it in that, in that regard as well. Um, we have to we rely on uh, somebody who knows something about the area that we're moving into and not necessarily try to just force our way through without um, understanding kind of these, these customs. Looking at the chat box here. Uh, Susanna says, lunatic astrology, where is your ascendant? Do you mind me saying, Lori, I, I know your ascendant, but I'll let her answer that question if she's still here. Uh, Lisa says, I could use that. Um, I'm assuming maybe some balance uh, or some initiative energy, probably in Lisa's case. Um, <laughs> you tell me. Taria says, there will be super venusian full moon uh venus is in her own bounds i'm thinking how mars will be shown that's a good question let's go back to our chart and let's and look at what mars is doing because definitely mars is part of our conversation here okay so just to to wrap up the uranies you know we may experience some kind of pushback or retribution if we don't respect the law of the land as we are pushing out into the new territory okay now let's take a look at Mars here because Mars is hanging out in Gemini 
it just recently made a conjunction with the, the North Node. So we're really seeing an increase in martial tendencies. We do have, um, and uh, Lori says she's an Aquarius ascendant. Yes, exactly. And I believe she has Saturn in Aquarius uh, in the first house as well. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on that. But we have Mars here in a sextile with this lunation, right? It is in a trine with the moon and is in a sextile with the sun. So Mars is going to be um, in a decan that was associated with, with uh, maybe feeling the pain of duality, feeling the pain of um, too many choices. Mars in this decan and in this sign in general is asking us to make some choices. Uh, and, and when it's moving through there, Mars always severs and separates. So to, to create this new and establish this new territory, we're probably exploring right now. We're probably saying we could go this direction. We could go this direction. We could go over here. We could start this and start this and start this. And one of the things that we really need to uh, try to establish is that we can really only manage a certain amount of things at one time and really expect to do that thing well. It's not that we couldn't do all these things at the same time. We could try. But by scattering our energy in too many different directions, we may lessen the quality of whatever we're trying to establish. So if you have something in your heart right now, if you have a vision in your heart, it's important right now to to stay the course on that vision. And, and, and Lori, this is one of the reasons why I've been so, um, I don't know, slippery when it comes to clubhouse. Cause I, I have like a, a vision about what I'm trying to create. And sometimes, uh, I have to like say, no, I can't do that today because I I've, I've got this thing that I committed to internally. Like in, and in my case, I've committed to making a, a, a Deccan video for every time a planet ingresses into a particular decan. And it's not that anybody is necessarily asking for it. It's just that I, in, in my heart, that is something I said, I want to do this and I want to be timely with it. So it's more like I'm trying to stay true to, to myself. Um, but again, as I'm going through this, I'm realizing I got to respect the, the, the needs of the community, the needs of, of, and the customs of the people that I'm serving. So yes, I, I will participate when I, when I can. Um, but again, we have to make choices sometimes. And there are times when we have to say no to a path that may pull us out of, um, or may pull us off of our chosen path. Like last week, uh, just a Lori. Lori was uh, asking me to do a clubhouse thing last week, and I had just gotten done doing six Deccan videos in a row, and I had another one due that day, and I was just so tired that I, I, the thought of talking to to strangers was just like I just can't do it. I just, I just don't want to talk at all today, and it was just like I just needed a day um, that I just wasn't on stage. And that day I pulled the four of, of swords and it was like, you got to take a rest or you're going to start um, lashing out at people. I think that I am actually, uh, regardless of the way that I may express myself on these channels and, and that I am a public person, I would consider myself an introvert. 
which, and I only define it as this. It doesn't mean I don't, I can't be social or I can't talk or whatever. It just means that being social actually just depletes my energy. And I need to take time away from being social to restore the well a little bit. And um, I notice, and what I have noticed with Mars and Gemini here, and tell me in the chat box if you've been seeing this as well. When I get too tired, when I get too overwhelmed, I start to get really sarcastic and I start to get really snippy with people. Like I had a, a group meeting the other day that I started just getting really like, I don't know, I just started to become an a-hole and it wasn't, nobody did anything to like make me mad or anything. I was just super, super tired and I just couldn't, I had lost all of my grace. Do you know what, do you know how it takes energy to be graceful? And like all of my like snarkiness was just coming out. And, and at that point, I realized it was happening. And hopefully this is something that a lot of you, this was when Mars was on the North Node too. Hopefully all of you can catch yourself in this moment. You can say, you know what? I am, there's just too much going on. I, I need to take a time out and a break so that I don't injure the people that I'm trying to bring together. Cause like, for example, I have Venus and Gemini. So generally I'm usually pretty good about being um, a harmonizer when it comes to disparate viewpoints and things like that. But yeah, Lisa's saying I get very short and uncommodating when I need time alone. That's the same thing for me. I, I went mute in this, in this group that I usually, um, I usually, I usually talk a lot and, and it was a little uncomfortable because people expect me to talk a lot in the group and kind of somewhat uh, be a leader in the conversation. And when I met, went mute, it was like kind of awkward <laughs> like, and other people were trying to figure out what to, what to do next. Um, but I had to just, just say, you know what? I just need to take a time out. I need to take a little bit of a break. And I think that that's something that I would really highly recommend that if you're feeling overwhelmed by just the influx of information and the influx of um, communication, it is okay to take a time out every once in a while and restore the well. Because when you return to the conversation, you will be able to, to draw upon um, a, a resource that is, is fuller, right? So like, for example, um, when, you know, Lori is asking me to do like a panel on, on Clubhouse. And I think that after some rest, and, and I think that after I've refilled the well, I'll be much more inclined to be like, yes, I want to do that. Because then I'll be able to, to bring something to the table without, um, you know, without the potential of me being a jerk to people, you know. And I realize this, I think this is just me being real, is that I think everybody gets a little frustrated when they're tired and when they're hungry or things like that. I know that the worst combination for me is when I'm tired and when I'm hungry, I get like hangry. Like it's a bad proposition if I need to go eat lunch and someone's keeping me like either on the phone or something, then I'm, I just get really angry. Um, I have a cancer with a Taurus mood. So getting in between me and a meal is a, is a bad idea. I'm, I'm laughing about it because it's so silly, but you got to know yourself, right? All right, so I'm looking at, hopefully that helps explain Mars a little bit and Gemini, uh, Taria. I think that that's something that where we are going to have to make a choice and eliminate some options so we can put our full attention to the beginning that, that we need to sustain 
over the course of my, my previous Aries one videos with the sun and Venus, there was a lot of things that were coming up in the I Ching about not always just starting over and starting over and starting over. Cause that's an Aries tendency is we want to start in one area and then we lose our steam. And then we like, Oh, you know, that isn't interest me anymore. I need to start over again. Well, I would encourage you to, to make a start, but then to, to, to sustain your endurance for that start and not just get constantly distracted by something shiny that is new in a different direction. All right, so I'm looking at the chat box here. Getting, uh, it says that, okay, I'm looking. Susanna says, uh, Lori's planets are in the third house. Yes, she has, she has a lot of Aries energy in the communication house. Um, so I do trust her instincts when it comes to learning how to communicate with the, the collective. Uh, Demphi says, I find it very difficult to do just one course. My mind wants to explore and investigate. That's what makes astrology so nice. Yeah, and I'm, I'm with you, Demphi. I think that um, I, with my mercurial planets, with my Gemini planets and my Virgo planets, I do try to hold a lot of information all at one time, like I do here, but I, I try to integrate it. And I do have to know when to say when and, and know that if I do spread myself too thin, the quality starts to, to suffer. So I think that it is okay to do a few things at the same time, but I think that it's a mistake that we make in our modern society that encourages us to do all of these things at once and I, I'm a little bit old school with that because I really do think that it's not that we can't have our, you know, multiple plates spinning. It's that we just, in that particular moment, it's important to have your full presence and your full attention to the one thing that you're doing in that moment. So here's an example. If you're going to, to let's say, let's say you want to, um, I don't know, say you're eating lunch you know, turn the TV off or turn, you know, like don't try to talk on the phone while you're eating because the conversation, you may not be able to, to get the words out because you're trying to chew, right? See what I'm saying? And you'll enjoy that food a lot more if you say, I'm going to eat for an hour and then I'm going to call my mom or my dad or my friend instead of being like, hey, everybody, I'm going to chew on my food, right? And try to talk to somebody. So that's kind of the example there. It doesn't mean that you have to abandon every path. It just means that be present in the moment to really um, find, oh, I don't know, the, the, the essence and the quality of what you're doing. Okay. Uh, and it says, uh, Lori says, it's, it's true. Staying true is good. Just don't be fixed. Yes, that is true. We don't want to get too stubborn in our path. This is a problem that I have sometimes. I have a lot of fixed energy in my chart. So it is both a superpower and something that I have to work on. Um, when I decide to start something, it's very hard for me to stop, but it's also very hard for me to get rolling. You know, this is Taurus moon energy. It's like a, trying to move a thousand pound animal. And having a Leo ascendant doesn't necessarily help. Um, when I'm very loyal to what my chosen path, but uh, it is very difficult for me to change courses midstream. So I, I agree with that, Lori. Um, it says uh, she, she's talking. Deborah saying that's ninth house Gemini. Things will get better as Mars frees up from the Kala Sarpa containment. Okay. Tarya says Spencer gone mute. Yes, I, I did mention that in my. Mercury in Pisces post. Um, we are still dealing with Mercury in Pisces, which is a mute sign. And it is more, more challenging and more difficult 
for Mercury to communicate verbally in the water signs in general. And I have, I have Mercury in, in uh, Cancer retrograde in the 12th house natally. So it's always an effort for me to, to turn my insights and my intuitions into words. And that's why I have to pause every once in a while to think about what I want to be able to do. And this may be true for everyone right now. The, the, the planet of commerce and exchange is really in a tough spot. It's in a spot that it is very uncomfortable and it's fallen and it's exile. So get, just getting the words out and getting the communication going is probably a challenge. And we saw the square between Mars and Mercury recently as well. Okay. Um, Susanna says, this full moon will conjunct my Uranus in the 10th, Venus Kazemi in the 4th. We are repainting my daughter's room. Okay, cool. Uh, so yeah, new start in the home, right? And that is something to look at with this um, lunation and the Kazemi in general. Look at the Aries part of your chart and see where something wants to be born. Susanna says she didn't go, go mute. Well, well, uh, let's see. Um, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad that people are still able to communicate and it's not just me. Lisa says, Spencer, I get very short and unaccommodating when I need time alone. Yes, I agree. I am there with you. Um, Lori says, it could be your sun placement, Spencer, that makes you a natural hermit. Yes, I get grumpy too when overstretched publicly. Yeah, it probably is. Um, my, my moon in the 10th house near the midheaven um, draws me into public situations, whether I like it or not. I, I do think a lot of the times my preference is to be a hermit because I do have the sun in the 12th house. So it's, it's a constant battle between those two impulses in my life, getting drawn into you know, sharing and things like that, which, which is fine. I'm, I'm learning that it's, that's part of my service in the world is not to just hoard my knowledge, but to share it, share it with the world. Tarya says, not technically now, meaning that he did not want to speak no more. Okay. I'm getting behind in the chat box here. Divine timing says, yeah, I made a mistake like that recently. Some conversations may be better to wait when you aren't burnt out and cranky. Definitely. Sometimes you could say, hey, I got to have a timeout. It's time for me to take a break. <laughs> Let's revisit this later for sure. Um, Tarya says, so Venus and Moon could receive too much. Yes, I would agree with that. We could be, uh, the other thing that I, de I described with Mars on Gemini recently was um, drinking from the fire hose. And, and we will see Mars conjoining the fixed star Rigel, which is feeling overwhelmed with information. And that's coming up in the week ahead. For all of you uh, who have seen the movie UHF, which is a funny movie, there is a scene where um, the actor that played Kramer on Seinfeld, I don't remember his, Michael Richards, has this like game show for kids. And <laughs> they have this, this sandbox that's filled with oatmeal. They have to find the marble in the oatmeal. And if you find the marble in the oatmeal, he's like, you found the marble in the oatmeal. You get to drink from the fire hose. And they, he plops a kid in front of the fire hose and just turns it on and shoots him off the chair. And I think that that's kind of the Mars experience with Mars on Gemini right now is we're, we're all like drinking from the fire hose of information. And it's just a little, sometimes it's just a little too much, right? So I thought that was kind of funny. Lisa says, I do my best when my internal fire is lit. I don't like to be pressured externally. Yeah, that is true. Um, I think that we do have to, with this Aries uh, stack up, figure out how we can be internally motivated. Because if we are trying to 
find motivation from external pressure, that's the kind of motivation that we can't sustain. The kind of motivation that you can sustain is Aries or is, is the fire that comes from within. Okay. That's the inexhaustible fire. And so that's one thing to keep in mind here. Susanna says, I feel an emotional or an informational overload these days. For sure, that is Mars and Gemini on the North Node. Um, Tarya says, meals are important. Yes. Yes, Tarya. <laughs> Where's your moon, Tarya? Are you a Taurus moon like me? I, I know that you're Pisces sun, but um, Dimphy says, hangry, another word for the vo vocabulary. Yeah, that's a good one. Where you like most often with your Taurus, your Taurus y type friends, if you just give them some food, some space, and a nap, they'll be fine. If you, if you deny them any of those things, they are not people to mess with. <laughs> um, okay. We say, oh, it's Dan. Dan is divine timing. Oh, hey, Dan. Dan is a very good astrologer who is very active on Clubhouse here um, and has a, a nice group on Facebook too. Um, so, hey, Dan, nice to see you. I'm sorry I keep calling you divine timing, but it's Dan. But that is the what it looks like in the chat in the chat box here. Um, so Dan says, I find Clubhouse like a food for me though. Like it feeds me to connect with other astrologers and bounce ideas off of them. Although some groups are better than others. Yeah, that's true. For some people, the the um, social exchange fills their well up. That when you are, I think that would be the definition of being someone who is extroverted. So someone who would actually gain energy from those social exchanges instead of feeling depleted. So that's just a temperament type of thing. Uh, it doesn't mean that like things like Clubhouse are, are wrong if you're an introvert or things like that. It just means that that uh, you have to know yourself really well and know whether you know that those exchanges are going to to make the tank reduce or if they're filling you up. So again, we don't always have to have the same approach to things too. That's the beauty of of diversity is is some things for some people are going to be easier and, and fulfilling and for others they may be draining and and something that you have to uh, approach with um, temperance I guess we should say um, it says north node is good for a lot of distractions I would agree Mars is requiring us to eliminate distractions um, let's see looking here Dimphy says, totally agree with your answer. I am old school as well. Do not participate on social media. I had Greek and Latin in grammar school for my exams, and it is quite funny to see it coming back now. Yeah, I, I would say that I am a reluctant social media person. Um, I don't really post a lot of just my, I don't know. I would say you get more of my off-the-cuff thoughts on these YouTube lives and these YouTube videos than you do on like Instagram or Twitter or things like that. If I'm using Twitter and Instagram, I'm not going to post like, this is what I had for lunch today. And this is what I feel about this. It's more going to be like, here's some information I found useful. Um, here's learn something from it. <laughs> like, like, and that's not true for everyone. Some other people use social media as just a way to kind of express themselves and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that it's just a preference type of thing. Um, Dan uses Divine Timing as his YouTube channel name. Yeah, so check out Dan on, on Divine Timing. Um, let's see. I'm getting, there's a lot of comments here. You guys are crushing the, the comment section. I love it. It's awesome. This is definitely Mars and Gemini. Uh, let's, let's see. We've got 
Kendall says, 12th house sons unite. Yes, Kendall. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we, I think we need, uh, we need some space every once in a while to deal with some of the Sisyphean tasks that the universe throws us. <laughs> like, um, my experience of 12th house stuff is sometimes we get, get, uh, given some really tough stuff that other people don't. And a lot of the times we have to take some time out to really, uh, have the strength to deal with some of the challenging experiences of, of fate and even some of the challenging mental things that we go through. I know a lot of the times as a 12th house son, I experience a lot of self-doubt and I need to take time away from uh, the world to just work it out every once in a while, like untying a knot. And I, I think that that's been my experience as well. So Kendall, you can see if that is a uh, experience you have as well. Um, Okay. Lori says she loves the idea of a divine timeout. Um, yes. Pisces moon too. Pisces moon, Tari. You have Pisces moon and sun. Wow. That is a, that is a lot of watery stuff there. So I'm sure that Taria has to choose, pick and choose the containers that she pours herself into socially too, because like that can be um, a very receptive placement where uh, it's, it probably is very easy to absorb other people's feelings. And I know Taria's had some really, um, really wise, poignant comments in our in our exchanges, and um, I'm sure that she's a very sensitive soul with those placements. Susanna says Taria is a mermaid. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she's from Finland. She's like she's on those those the fjords, <laughs> calling to all of us with her siren song. Uh, Dan says, "Hey Spencer, I I feel I can go both ways with introvert extrovert." feel like I'm getting over my shyness by putting myself out there and doing astrology work for people. Yeah, it doesn't have to be one or the other, right? We, we can hold that duality, that Gemini type duality by, you know, participating when, when we feel like we have the energy to do that and creating connections between one another, and then be feeling confident enough to ask for the time out when we don't feel like we have the energy to give. So it doesn't have to be all, all or nothing. We can try to like, you know, have a balanced relationship with being social and with social media and with these kind of group exchanges versus taking time to be alone. And really that's probably some of the themes of this full moon as well is balancing out our, our need to be individuals with being social. Uh, Dimphy says, uh, YouTube is social media as well. Yeah, that's true. This is social media. Look at all the interaction we have here. Lisa says, after putting out 85 hours of content per week. Maybe I need a break. Um, yeah. Are you talking about me or about you? <laughs> like, um, I feel like I've been putting out 85 hours of content per week. <laughs> I, I wonder if all of you could even keep up with uh, watching uh, an hour long video every two days, but I, you know, I'll just put it out there. I'm not offended if you can't get to all of it right away. Uh, I'm just, what I consider it, what I'm doing is creating an archive uh, and I am, oh me, yeah. I, I feel like I'm creating an archive um, and trying to teach as, as well as give people a heads up to be able to deal with the passing transits. So the reason my videos are longer than most is because I would say that the first half hour of my videos generally are, are me teaching a concept. And I... I can't, I'm very bad at censoring myself and saying, I'm going to keep this for this thing. I don't like doing that. 
um, because I feel like I, I don't know what I can and can't say if I'm like, I'm only going to teach this to these amount of people or, or whatnot. So I just kind of, whatever I find over the course of my um, explorations and just, I'm just share it. And um, I appreciate all of you being there for it. You know, I appreciate all the comments and, and watching the videos, hitting that like button. I really am very much appreciating all the donations I've been receiving through buy me a coffee that that model has been working very, very well for me to, to feel um, this, this validation for doing that work. So thank you so much for those of you who have bought me a coffee or a tea or a smoothie or, or, or whatever. And that is really something that um, really helps sustain me doing, doing this work and helps me to uh, have time to do it as well. Um, because by putting all this stuff out, out there and the research and stuff, uh, it is, it, it is time consuming. And um, I do have bills too. So, so thank you for that. I really want to say thank you. I appreciate that. Susanna says, you really have done a lot of videos lately, Spencer, hard work. Yeah. I would say that I've been really uh, experiencing the trine between Mars and Saturn over the last week. There was a point last week where um, while Mars was applying to a trine to Saturn, there were probably about six or seven decanic changes. And the way that I have decided to do videos is I would do a video every time a planet changes decans, not signs. So that's every 10 degree section. And it just so lined up that you know, there were six of them that happened all in the span of like five days. And I just had to kind of pick and choose which ones I was going to do. And I ended up, I ended up doing all of them, but it was, it was a real, it was a real Herculean effort, I guess. Uh, and it was exhausting, but this week, for example, there's only two decanic changes. So you'll see me doing this video here and then maybe a few videos in the coming days. So it's not, it's not consistent. And I do get breaks every once in a while. Okay. Um, what I want to do now is I wanted to, and thank you so much for all of your comments here. This is a great exchange. This is, I really love the interaction that's going on here today. This is why I do these live streams so I can interact with all of you and not just feel like I'm howling into the void all the time. So what I want to do now is I want to take us forward to the first quarter phase. And the first quarter phase is going to happen on the fourth. Okay. So here we see the first quarter, I'm sorry, the last quarter. And this is the other kind of lunation that we'll experience before we get the new moon in Aries. So this is happening at about 14 degrees um, if we of, of Capricorn and Aries. So here, the last quarter moon is always when we have a, a square between the sun and the moon. This is disharmony between the lights. And this is generally some kind of existential crisis that we experience at the end of a lunar cycle where we are, where the, the moon is now waning and we are trying to uh, release everything that we built up over the, the other lunar cycle, the rest of the, the um, buildup phase. So we're hitting over this weekend, the peak of that phase where we're getting the, the manifestation of what we started at the previous new moon. We'll see the fruiting or the, the flowering of what we've been going through. And at this last quarter moon, we're probably going to have some challenges bringing something into form and the, you know, understanding the blueprint that we're trying to craft over the long haul. We can see the three of pentacles energy here. And um, 
Oh yeah, Lori's gonna Lori's gonna take off. She's got some things to do, people to see. All right, thanks, Lori. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, take it easy, and we'll we'll see you on on Clubhouse and on your channel, Lunatic Astrology. Check her out. She's got some good stuff there as well. Uh, so, just came back to the um, the the last quarter moon phase. Um, this is a decade where we are trying to build, and the second decade of Aries is about trying to govern this new dominion that we've created. So we may have some challenges with trying to create within this new territory that we're carving out for ourselves. And the moon is in its exile in Capricorn. So there may be some, we may be working a little bit too hard. We may feel a little overworked at this last quarter moon. We may be a little tired. We may be neglecting some of our body. Okay. This could be a, a point where we're neglecting our body in service of this new start that we're trying to get out into the world. Um, so just take care, take care of yourself at this point. Um, try not to get too conflicted about the plan and be flexible. I would say too, at this last quarter moon phase where, um, when we are making a new start, we do have to like make adjustments to the, to the blueprint and to the plan that we're trying to put out there as well. Okay. The other thing that I uh, noticed with that last quarter moon phase is the sun will be on Alpharetz, which is a star that is both in Andromeda and in Pegasus. So there's some dual significations with the sun on, on Alpharetz of potentially a damsel in distress type of energy in relationship to Andromeda, or this, this kind of energy of speed and freedom if we associate it with Pegasus. So think about, you know, are you moving too fast? Uh, are you, it, it would be easy to maybe feel like a victim with the sun in this area as well, but, but we are heading to the sun's degree of maximum exaltation around this decade. So what I would say is it's important not to feel like a, a victim of circumstance and to just try to take, take the reins to, of Pegasus and, and try to steer the ship of your life, right? This is a good time for self-directed action. Okay. Uh, Tarya says, we are promising too much as the Capricorn moon gives a hard time. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that it, it could be easy to get overly enthusiastic around this period of time, especially with Mars and Gemini. And yes, promise too much. Um, that's something I've been really struggling with behind the scenes too. A lot of you have been asking for classes and things like that. And I've been really going through and, and considering what I can offer that is sustainable without getting in over my head. So uh, again, keep your eyes peeled for mid-May. Um, it's not that that's when I'll start offering it. It just probably means that uh, that's when there will be some more visibility around it. So yes, always balances the key, right? So the other thing that we will see, um, yes, uh, my notes on that was hard work, three of pentacles to build an independent life, the three of wands, okay? Definitely, this will be a hard hard work phase. Um, let's see here. I'm going to show you one more thing, and then we'll start to wrap up for the day, okay? As we move forward, and I will do another live stream on this uh, in the coming weeks ahead, we will see the new moon happening at 20 degree, 22 degrees of Aries right here on April the 11th, okay, April the 11th at 22 Aries, 
hold on, I guess I could just go. There's this handy dandy search feature um, that really helps us here. I guess it's, uh, yeah, April 11th, Sunday, April 11th at around 10.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Here you'll see the new moon in the third decade of Aries. And this, uh, this is interesting because we have a sextile with this to both Jupiter and Mars. So again, this is, a, this is one where we really are probably going to be feeling like really taking action. All these ideas are fueling this active principle here. This Deccan is really about um, gaining a following. It's a, it's a Venus ruled Deccan. So you've established your territory. You, you know how to govern it. You know the rules of the land. You know the lay of the land. That's probably what we're going to be experiencing at the last quarter phase is like, what are the rules of this new territory you're establishing, right? And, and then at this new moon on the 11th, it's all about can you share your enthusiasm with other people to get them to, to gain a following? So there may be something where you've established your individual identity, and now it's time to, to put it out there into the world and, and inspire people to, to come over to, to your new country, <laughs> to immigrate to, to your new land, okay? And again, we'll talk about that probably on Friday, April the 9th. I like doing these on Fridays. They seem to be a good time for people. So keep your eyes peeled for that. All right. Any questions? Any more questions as we go along here? I think that's a pretty good, um, a pretty good exploration of what we are going to be seeing at the full moon, the last quarter, and the upcoming new moon. I wanted to thank all of you for being here today. It's super amazing to see all of you in the chat and all of the contributions uh, that you've all been offering here in the chat. Um, it really is, really is. Uh, inspiring to see all the participation. And so thank you so much for that. And thank you for being here today. And if you are enjoying these videos, the, the, the easiest thing you can do is hit that like button. Um, if you want to make a, a material contribution, you can support me at buymeacoffee.com. Um, <laughs> Deborah Donaldson says, I fall asleep to your videos. <laughs> your voice is very soothing. Well, hopefully I'm not too boring, um, but, the, but I'm, I do have this beautiful microphone here, this, S, this Shure SM7B, which is a, a really nice mic. And I, I, I will take that as a compliment as my, lots of people are like, you should do AMSR or whatever <laughs> that, that is about this soothing stuff. Um, yeah, I would. One of the interesting things is that uh, um, I was reading about the power of of Hermes to to soothe the savage beast by, you know, Argus. There, Hermes was called the Argus killer, and he he basically put all, him to sleep by continuing to talk to him. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if all of my Gemini and, and uh, Virgo ruled planets are putting people to sleep. <laughs> That's my superpower, just boring them to death. But no, I, I take that as a compliment. And uh, yes, Taurus moon is, uh, I do think that, that having a Taurus moon probably does help me have a more of a Venusian experience with my voice, like helping the people enjoy um, my voice and, and my speaking and things like that. So, so thank you. Uh, and, and I do try to um, be gentle when I'm speaking on these channels. I don't want to make people feel stressed. I do make it a point to try to be soothing and to bring peace to people through these videos. That's my ultimate goal is to bring you a more peace of mind and a, and a connection with spirit. So if I'm accomplishing that through this, then, then I'm, I'm doing 
uh, I am achieving my intention. So thank you for that feedback. Uh, yeah, and Susanna says, listen to my song, Tightrope Walker. I was, I was a professional musician for many, many years, and I do have an album called Tightrope Walker that you can find on Bandcamp. Uh, I have a, if you are interested, I actually have a YouTube channel for my music called Spencer Michelle Music, if you want to see some of the other things that I've done. I don't know if Susanna, Susanna, I wanted to ask you before I leave today, did you hear the album version or a live version? Because the album version is pretty, it's kind of like a, 70s Elton John layered Beatles type of thing and I'm curious if you heard that version because it's like a sonic landscape so if you haven't heard the album version check that out <laughs> like but uh but again I wanted to thank all of you for for being here today and for participating in the chat um yeah I'll leave a link in the in the channel here hold on a second for all of you if you want to check out Spencer Michaud music and the Bandcamp thing. It's on my, oh, you do. You did hear the album version, good. Uh, I'm very proud of that song, actually. Uh, that, that took a lot, of, um, a lot of time to make, and it was many years in the making. Um, I also have a, a SoundCloud with some of my non-published songs that, uh, that you can check out as well. But here, I'll, I'll put a link to it. You can find links to that on my website, too, on spencermichaud.com. Um, that is actually a, a good place to find my music as well. Uh, here you go. I'll just copy this here. You can see this in the chat box here. Sorry for those of you who are listening after the fact. That's my Spencer Michaud music channel. Um, and then I will leave you a thing in the chat box for my SoundCloud. Yeah, check that out because I've got some cool songs on there. I've actually been getting the itch to do some music again, to be 100% honest with you. I think that that's what I felt at my Kazemi moment. And we're getting off track here, but that's okay. Um, I uh, At the Kazemi moment, I wanted to tell you this story before I go. And if, if you all have somewhere to be, that's fine. I'm, I know I'm long-winded here. <laughs> like, um, at the Kazemi moment, I have a, a guitar student, and he brought me a song he wanted to learn, and it was John Denver, Country Roads. And um, I just was listening to that and just feeling, um, I was just feeling the beauty in his tenor voice, and, and I was playing my guitar again, and like, it was, uh, it was something that I really missed. And so that may be something that you see coming again in the weeks and months ahead is maybe a recommitment to doing some more of my music. Because over the pandemic, to be honest with you, one of the things that I have, um, that has been prevalent for me is that my family is just in the house all the time. Have you all uh, had this experience? And generally what that usually meant is that before you know, my daughter was going to school, my partner was going to work, I could just have time alone to like make a lot of noise and not bother people. But since the pandemic started, everybody's home all the time. And I just haven't been playing as much. And all my gigs kind of dried up because nobody's having gigs going on. But um, but yeah, you can check those out in the chat. I have a SoundCloud and a YouTube channel with my music. Thank you for bringing that up, Susanna. She's a, a wonderful musician as well. So uh, check out her music and her art. She's a wonderful painter wanted to highlight that too. Um, but yeah, I was listening to, to John Denver and just the beauty of his voice. And just, I spent 
maybe an hour playing my guitar, which is, is more than I have in a while. I've been just putting so much energy into my astrology that uh, I, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, I've been putting the music on the back burner, but it's coming back. I, I feel an attraction to doing some more of that. So maybe we'll, we'll figure out how to combine them. What do you think? Maybe we need to make a, an album or something that is, has mythological themes or astrological themes to it. I've done a little bit of that. I actually have a song that I wrote um, about Lita and the Swan. I'll post that on some point. But anyway, sorry for that Mars and Gemini digression, but it is nice to get some feedback on my music too. That was a way that I crafted a lot of identity in the past. And as I've transitioned into astrology, I've sort of felt a little bit disconnected from that old self and being um, acknowledged for that and, and is, is it's, it feels very validating. So thank you for that. And thank you for um, the compliments because it, it, it is something that I miss. And um, it was something that I really put a lot of energy into as a, a younger person. So we'll see, you know, again, here, here is one thing I will leave you with today. Um, just because we are focusing our energy in one direction, Mars and Gemini, and in this case, over the last two years or so, I've focused very intensely on learning astrology and establishing my astrology business and, and est establishing my astrology knowledge, really, just, just studying. It does not mean that we can't be artists, musicians, or whatever. So I think the thing that I'll leave you with today is just because you're putting your energy into establishing a new territory that, that may require you to put something else on the back burner does not mean that it will never be a part of you again. It just means that, that to be very in the moment of what you are doing, you have to focus on that one particular thing in that moment. You can always circle back to it. Okay. Like I know I'm going to circle back to my music and performing and things like that. And I will find the balance between Spencer, the astrologer and Spencer, the artist. And uh, I hope that you will be able to do that as well. You know, being able to, to figure out where your balance is when you're trying to craft something new and recognizing that you can be multiple things. You don't have to just be one thing. That's one thing that I've had to learn too, is just because I, people know me as one thing does not mean that that defines Spencer. What defines you is your soul and your spirit. And your spirit is multivalent. Your spirit is complicated. Your spirit can't be shoved into a box and put a label on. And what I'm finding is it doesn't matter what vehicle my essence is poured into, whether it's astrology videos, music, or art, I'm still Spencer. And you're still getting my heart. And hopefully all of you can do that as well. You don't have to be something, just be you and pour it into whatever container is inspiring to you at that moment. Okay. So that's what I've got for you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for indulging some of my stories and some of my, you know, thank you for massaging my ego a little bit towards the end there. And uh, be kind to yourself, be kind to one another. And uh, I really do appreciate all of you being here today and being on the channel and being able to exchange uh, wisdom with all of you and hearing your thoughts and uh, just to continue doing your thing and be gentle, be kind to one another and be kind to yourself. So I will see you the next time. Okay. Signing off. Take care, everyone. Peace.